All right, let's go ahead and get going here. John chapter 14. So last week we had First Wednesday prayer, and we, we spoke about fear. Um, if you re- remember that, I had the little scripture that I broke down. Uh, and so if you were interested, if you're here for, for, for First Wednesday prayer, I, have, I had Chuck print copies of uh, the, the, the scripture breakdown there. And they're, they're uh, on the typical spot where the handouts are. So if you're interested in, in that, that is there. Um, and so we had First Wednesday prayer last week and the week before that, I believe, Pastor Freddie preached and he completed John chapter 13. So in John chapter 13, we really have had a lot going on. You have Jesus washing the disciples' feet in John 13, and you have the, the picture of the, the Son of God, God in human flesh, humbling himself and serving his disciples, whom they should have been serving him as the king of the universe, but he demonstrated to them what it looks like to be an actual leader, a servant leader. So you have that in John 13, and, and then you have... Jesus revealing to the disciples that someone was going to be, betray him and it was going to be Judas. And, and so you have the disciples trying to figure out what's going on with all of that. Um, and then you have Jesus telling the disciples towards the end of John 13 that he's going away. And Peter famously says, well, wherever you're going, I'm going to go. I, I'm, I'm going to go even if it means death. And then, Peter, and then Jesus tells Peter, says, he says, no, you won't. <laughs> You're not coming. I, you, where I'm going, you can't go. And meaning, you, you, you know, I'm going to the cross. And you can't go there. And, it, and he foretells the, the, the denial of Peter. He tells him that he will deny him three times. And so Peter, Peter of course, in other accounts, in, other gospel, in the other Gospels, the accounts, Peter, he, he denies it. He I, I, I would never do that. I would never deny you. And, of course, Jesus tells Peter that you will, you, you will go where I go. You will experience death. And you get to John. We're going to get to the end here in John chapter 20. You're going to see the restoration of Peter. But, but, but Jesus tells Peter that you're going to die this way. You're, you're, someone's going to take your life for my sake. And so this is a very kind of sobering thing, picture that we have here. And as we get into John 14, Jesus is hours away from his crucifixion. He's literally hours away from being, his beard being ripped out, from, from being beaten with, 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 uh, with, uh, uh, with lashes. He's, he's hours away from being marred more than any other man had ever been beaten. And the disciples should have been comforting him. They should have been aware enough to recognize what was going on. They should have been comforting him. But the disciples were so confused, had no idea what, what was going on, that Jesus had to comfort them. Because Jesus spoke in ways that was messing up what they believed was supposed to take place. They had an idea. They had a plan. What was the disciples' plan? It was that Jesus was going to be an earthly ruler. He was going to rule the Jewish nation and and free them from Roman oppression. And And the history of the nation of Israel was a constant a, a, a history of, of them serving the Lord, then rebelling against God, and then foreign nations taking them over, and them crying out to God, God delivering them, and then this whole process would start over again. And so they, were, they, were, they, have had a, they had a history of being in oppression. And so Jesus was, in their mind, the coming, he was the Messiah that was going to free them. So they had a plan. Have you ever had a plan? 
You ever had a plan? Have you ever had plans that did not go according to plan? You had it all figured out, right? Had it all figured out. And what you thought was going to happen did not happen. I mean, we've all experienced that. And how do we respond in situations like that? We, sometimes we get very anxious and very frustrated and very upset. You know, you, you, t- you put me in a situation where if I have a, a plan and the plan's supposed to go a certain way and the plan doesn't go a certain way and, 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 and also I haven't had supper and I'm tired, you put all those ingredients into the mix and, and I'm just not a very good person to be around. can lose my patience and get frustrated and not, not be kind and you think there's no way uh, brother Bob uh, at church here uh, he calls me gentle Ben gentle Ben and I am I, I, by God's grace I tend to try to be gentle but given the right circumstances I'm, I can not be gentle from time to time especially when my plans don't go according to what I want and this is what the disciples are experiencing and this is what we're going to see Jesus has to comfort them has to remind them that it's going to be okay And this is what we see here. And let's just look, before we get into John 14, let's look at why they were troubled. Again, we have to think that the lens in which they are seeing Jesus is through a lens of seeing, believing that he is the Messiah and he's coming to establish earthly domination, to be an earthly ruler for the nation of Israel. But listen to what Jesus has said as we've studied through John. John 10, 17 and 18, Jesus said this, To his disciples, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He's talking about laying down his life here. This doesn't make sense. You're you're a king. You're the Messiah. You're a ruler. Why are you talking about laying down your life and then taking it up again? John 12, 27 through 33, Jesus says this, Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, is that what I'm going to say? But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. And the Father says, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that, that, it, that it had thundered. That's interesting. <laughs> they were like, they, they heard a voice. And they're like, well, that, 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 that was just thunder. That was just thunder. We, I, I know I thought I heard some words, but no, that was probably just thunder. And others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. The disciples don't understand this. They don't get this. They don't know what's going on here. John 13, 31 says, When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet I... A little while I am with you. He's telling them, I'm going to only be here for a little while. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. So I mean, Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? This is the last chapter here. Where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now. But you will follow me afterward. He was talking again. He's going to say it again to Peter. And in John 20, he's going to tell him, you're going to follow me in death. 
Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? Peter has no clue. If he understood what Jesus was saying there, he wouldn't be asking Jesus, can I follow you now in your death? He would not be, none, none of us would say that, right? It shows you Peter has no clue what's going on. And the, others, and the other disciples have no clue what's going on. They don't get it. They're picking up clues and ideas, going away, laying down my life. Lord, why, why can't I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Really? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So you see the disciples are very confused. They don't know what's going on because Jesus is speaking in terms that does not fit their plan. They have an agenda, they have a plan, and it does not fit their plan. So let's look at John 14, 1 through 7. We're going to look at what Jesus is saying here. John 14, 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He's saying, he's saying if, if, if there really wasn't a place that I was preparing, would I have told you that I'm going away? He's saying, I've, because I'm going away, it's, it's proof to you that I'm preparing a place. And, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Again, the disciples are confused. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know. We don't get it, Lord. Lord, we do not know where you're going. Can you, I just, this is what I picture. I just picture like maybe saying it like this. Lord, look, seriously, cut to the chase. We have no clue what you're talking about. We have no idea. Can you please tell us? Because you're really confusing us here. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? This is so good. Just like Jesus, right? He says, and Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Okay, so here's what we're going to look at tonight. The disciples should be comforting the Lord because he's hours away from his crucifixion. But instead, the the Savior of the world who's about to be crucified for, they, for their sake has to comfort them in their confusion because they don't know what's going on and they are very troubled. So he tells them to not be troubled. And so what we want to look at is we want to look at what we can learn from what Jesus is saying here to the disciples about not being troubled. What, 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 what can we learn about how we handle situations of our life when they don't go according to our desires and our plans listen we we have ideas about our life all of us do we have ideas about our future and what it should look like we have ideas about our work and our career and our family we have all kind of things that we think about about what it's going to look like a month from now six months from now a year from now five years from now we think we think ahead and we have dreams and goals just like these disciples had And things don't always go according to our plan. So how do we respond? What can we learn from what Jesus is saying here that will help us to process when things don't go according to plan? First thing is this. This is what we we learn. That our plans are not always a part of God's purposes. Our plans are not always a part of God's purposes. We know, and I loved what Brother Stan said, Abrahamson said about God's purposes, that God has a purpose. 
God has a purpose. He is working a purpose in the earth. And our responsibility is to obey the Lord and to align, align ourselves with his purposes. And so sometimes we, or not sometimes, all the time, we have plans and ideas about what we should do. And, but sometimes those plans are not exactly what God is purposing in our life. And so how do we respond? Well, the first thing we need to understand is that our plans are not always part of God's purposes. And this is, John again, John 14, 1, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And so we need to understand that when our plans don't go according to plan and they doesn't work out, we need to rest in the fact and the reality that, that, that God has a purpose, that he's working. That's beyond what we can see. That he has a purpose and, 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 and we have to rest in the reality that he sees more and knows more. And, and, and is in charge. So the disciples, what was their plan like? If, I just want to kind of break down just a, a scripture here that really shows what they had in mind here. Matthew 20, 20 through 24, it says this. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee, this is two of the disciples of Jesus, came up to Jesus with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? Sounds pretty great, right? Jesus says, what do you want? And she said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right and one at your left in your kingdom. So, so you were getting a picture of what their plan was. They, again, we've talked about this in the, in, the, in the introduction as we started. They believed Jesus was to be a king, a king, an earthly king. And so these sons and this mother, they come up and they say, we want positions of authority. And the mother's trying to get positions of authority for her sons. And Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm to drink? And again, Jesus is speaking of suffering and death. You don't know what you're asking. If you want to be a part of my kingdom, you're going to suffer and you have no idea what you're asking. You, you, you will drink my cup. And, 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 they, and then they said to him, we are able. And he said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for for whom it has been prepared by my father the father is in control and in charge of who is going to sit in authority in his kingdom and when the 10 heard it i just love this picture here when the 10 heard it this is so real they were indignant at the two brothers and i've always when i've read that i've I've, I've always thought i can picture the 10 going to the two and saying are you serious really you're gonna get your mama to go up to the master and try to get positions of authority. Like, like really? That's cold-blooded. <laughs> like, I mean, that's just real. They were mad at the ten for trying to sneak in behind and using their mama to try to get favor. I don't know exactly. Scripture didn't tell us how it worked. Maybe the mama went on her own. But, they, but it says here they were indignant at the two brothers. So there's a little context clue there that tells us that they knew that the brothers were up to something. The brothers were up, were up to something. They were trying to get positions of authority. And either way, it didn't look very good. But, but, but again, this shows us that they had no idea about the cup of suffering that Jesus was about to experience and what he was calling them to do when they followed him. So, how will we respond when we find out that God's purposes are not what our plans are? How will we respond when our plans turn out to not be a part of God's purposes? We must remember that God knows more than us. That he can see more than us. 
and that he can do more than us. Because when our plans fail or when our plans stall, we can get really frustrated and we can feel like, well, all hope is lost. I had all this worked out. And, you know, you see in the disciples' life, whenever they finally figured out that Jesus was dead and he was, being, he was arrested and crucified, the Scripture tells us that they all left. They all scattered. Only the women stayed. They all left. They all scattered because they were so distraught because their plans had failed. So whenever we experience that, how are we to respond? What should we do? Well, I believe that Jesus gives us the perfect example. What did he do? When he was in the garden of Gethsemane, what did Jesus do? He said, he said, Lord, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering that I'm about to have to drink, if it's possible, let it pass from me. In, in his humanity, in his humanity, just like we wouldn't want to suffer, Jesus said, if it's possible, let it pass. But he said, nevertheless, not what I want, not my plans, but what you want, what your will is. So whenever our plans don't go according to plan and God has a different purpose for us, we have to respond like Jesus did. We have to say, Lord, not my will, not what I want. I know this didn't work out like I thought it would. I know that I lost my job. I know that, that my friends have turned their back on me. I know that people are talking about me and saying things they shouldn't say. I know that people are treating me unfairly. I know, God, God I, I see all of this, but Lord, and I don't understand it. But Lord, I recognize that, that you know more than me. You can see more than me. And you can do more than me. And so I'm submitting my plans and my ideas about my life. I'm submitting them to you. I'm trusting you. It's hard. It's hard to do that. You guys agree with me? I mean, I've experienced this over and we've all experienced this over and over in our life. When our plans don't work out, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. Some of you can feel like that. You can, you know, some of it, you know, we, we, we all from time to time, we pray about something specific and we pray and we pray and we believe and we trust and it doesn't work out. Just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. It means that there's something else going on that we don't know, that we can't see, and that God is doing. We have to believe that. When our plans don't work out, it does not mean that God has abandoned us. It can often mean, listen, it can often mean that the plans we had, listen, the plans we had failed in their need to consider God's greater purpose. Sometimes our plans fail to consider that God has a greater purpose. We can have a plan and sometimes we make plans and we forget to consider God. God, what, are, what, what do you want? What are you saying? What do you want me to do? Isaiah 55, 8 through 9 says this. Prophet Isaiah says this about the Lord. The Lord declares to the prophet, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways, the Lord says, my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. What does that mean there? <laughs> it means what it says. Pretty straightforward. It means what it says. That as high as, the, as high as the heavens are above the earth, which is pretty high for my estimation, and when the Hubble Space Telescope went up, and saw the, the galaxy, saw the vastness of it, 
and that is continuing to expand to me. What that tells me when I read a scripture like this, it tells me that God is infinitely beyond anything that I've ever imagined. And that if scripture says that his thoughts and his ways are as vast as the universe and, and our galaxies and our solar system, then that means it's, that, that's a pretty big gap. That compared to me. And so, so my, when my plans don't work out and when my plans fail, yeah, it's frustrating. And yes, the temptations to give up. And yes, the temptations to, to feel like God's failed me and abandoned me. But I have to remind myself that God still has a purpose. I belong to him. You belong to him. You're his child. If, if you're a Christian, you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been adopted into his family. You're his child. He's not abandoned you. I mean, just think about our kids. My kids don't get it. My kids are clueless like the disciples sometimes. They don't get it. I can tell them, no, no, we're going to do this. And they can have their plans, but they don't get it. Later on, listen, later on, the disciples got it, right? They got it. They got it. They, okay, uh, it makes sense. And the Lord would tell them, we'll read, we've read over and over in the Gospel of John, or you read it in other Gospels, he'll tell them, you'll figure it out later, you'll understand later, it will be revealed to you later, you'll, it'll click, and when it clicked, they understood. And that's kind of how it is with, with, with our children, with my kids. They don't get it, and, it's, and you hate to say it, you hate to say it, but you're just like, you know, when you, when you get older, you'll, you'll understand. Because, you know, they don't like to hear that, but it's true. Do you remember whenever you were a teenager and you believed you could run the universe? Do you remember that? I mean, you didn't think, you thought nobody could teach you anything. And then you got 21 years old, 22 years old, and your car started acting funny. And, you, and maybe you lived in an apartment and something broke. You're like, oh my goodness, where's my dad? Or where's my mom? Or where's my grandpa? You know, right? And you realize real quick, I don't know a whole lot. That's how, that's how it is with us and the Lord. We, we, are, we are small. And God is vast and big, and we can trust him. We can trust. And this is what Jesus is saying to his disciples in the first century, and this is what he's saying to his disciples in the 21st century. Do not let your heart be troubled. And that phrase there, it's, it's just this emphatic phrase. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. It's actually what, what, what he's saying here. He's saying, stop. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Stop. Do not let. Stop it. Just stop. Don't be anxious. Stop letting your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. So that's, that's, that's the first thing we see. That when our plans fail, it just simply means that God has a greater purpose. God's at work doing something. Second thing we see here is that God's purposes, right? So when our plans fail, we see God's working a greater purpose Second thing we see is that God's purposes are greater than we can imagine. God's purposes are greater than we can imagine. Let's look at John 14. Go back to the text, John 14, 2 through 3. Jesus first says, don't be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I, I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. God's purposes are greater than we can imagine. The disciples could only see death and destruction. Jesus is talking about dying. He's talking about 
laying down his life. He's talking about going away. And then when Jesus is crucified, all they can see is death and destruction. Right? But God's purposes are greater. They're greater than we could have ever imagined. And when our plans fail, when our ideas fail, sometimes it's all we can see. Like, this is it. This is the end. There's nothing else. It's, it's over. But what did Jesus see? Jesus, however, what did he see in all of this? In everything he was declaring to his disciples, all they could see was death and destruction and pain and suffering. And this is over. It's over. Jesus saw this. However, he saw redemption. He saw forgiveness. He saw the love of the Father providing eternal life to all those who would place their faith in him. That's what he saw. And that's why he obeyed. That's why he said, not my will, but your will be done. Because his purposes were greater. They had a greater impact. But the disciples couldn't see it yet. And that's what we need to remember. When our plans fail, when our plans are changed, when they don't work out, we have to realize that God's purposes are at work and they are greater than we could ever imagine. Greater than we could ever imagine. You guys remember the story of Joseph in Genesis? It's one of my favorite accounts in the Old Testament. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. I mean, how terrible is that that your own flesh and blood would throw you into a pit because they're angry and jealous at you because of the father loves you and treats you with favoritism i mean yeah it's wrong and shouldn't have happened but to 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 to, to throw your brothers and your brother into a pit and then and then sitting around talking about it you get a little remorse you know we probably shouldn't have done this and then some some people come by from Egypt and you're like, oh, okay, well, well maybe we can just sell them. So they, sold, they sell them into slavery. I mean, how, how, how wicked is that? And evil. But yet they, yet they did it. So here goes Joseph. He goes to Egypt. He's a Hebrew, he's a Hebrew child, a Hebrew slave, and he's in slavery. And you can imagine, right, after his whole journey, he, he, he gets, he's, he's in jail. He rises, to, he, he rises to favor, and he gets out of jail, and then he gets falsely, so, so everything's going good, but then he gets falsely accused, and he gets back in jail, and, and, and then eventually he gets out, right, because God's favor is on his life, and he's obeying and being faithful. He's, he's walking in purity and integrity. But you can, you can imagine, you know, there's a lot of missing uh, details to the story there. A lot of things that aren't in scripture about the inner tur- turmoil that Joseph would have went through, right? Right, but we know, because we experience, right? We, we, that those emotions are real. That struggle is real. We don't see it in the scripture per se, toward, but not, not until the end, end of the story in Genesis 45 through 50. You see the pain is there. He's abandoned. He's rejected, right? He had plans for his life. You remember he had, he had the dream. He had this great dream. He had this great vision, and his plans did not work out. He's in prison. He's rejected and abandoned. But then he becomes second in command over all of Egypt. Second in command over all of, all of Egypt. Now, now, what Joseph had thought, man, I, you know, God would have told him, you know, I, I'm going to put you in second in command over, over, over an entire nation. Do you want to sign up for that? Sounds good, Lord. Oh, but by the way, here's what's going to happen first. Here's what's going to happen first. 
You're going to have to be abandoned and rejected by your family. You're going to be thrown into prison. You're going to be falsely accused. And then you're going to be thrown back into prison. So that's the path. That's the path of suffering. I know you have a plan. And you saw this vision and this dream of what was going to happen. But I'm, but I'm telling you, this is the path it's going to take. None of us would have signed up for that, right? That's not what, that's not, that's not, that's not what God, God doesn't necessarily do that for us. He doesn't show us our suffering in advance. We just obey him step by step. We follow his leading and we suffer. And our plans don't go according to plan because God's working a greater purpose and we suffer. But God is still at work. And I love the end of, of, of Joseph's story. I love his conversation when everything is culminated here. Listen to this. Listen to God's greater purpose here. Genesis 45, 4 through 8. So Joseph said to his brothers that had come down. Again, there was famine in the land and the brothers had come down to get food for the family. And what Joseph's vision that he had had early in his life when he was a teenager, it's coming true. And he's in control and in charge. And Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near and he said, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God, listen to this, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Who sold him into slavery into Egypt? He said it. It was his brothers. His brothers did it. But what did he say right after? Don't be mad at yourself. Don't be distressed. For God sent me here. God sent me here. He had a greater purpose. God had a greater purpose even in the midst of, our pl- of his plans not working out. For God sent me before you to preserve life. There was a greater purpose. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And he says it again. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. He says it again. So it was not you. Three times. One time he tells him, you sold me. But then three times he says, it was God. It was God. For it was not you who sent me here, but God. So let, let yourself off the hook. It wasn't you. It was God. You had a greater purpose. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Genesis 50. The closing of the story. But Joseph said to them, do not fear because I'm in the place of God. As for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. God's purposes are always greater than ours. Because God's purposes are always perfect. He always has something greater that he's working. When our plans fail, we have to remember that God has a greater purpose. That he is at work even in the midst of our frustration over the fact that our plans are not working out. It will come. God will reveal it over time. You will see. You will see. If you belong to him and you're his child, you will see. God will weave a story of his providence in your life. And you will see I get it. I see what you were doing. And you'll, you, you'll have your Joseph moment where you'll be able to recognize and acknowledge God. I, yes, it was hard and it was painful, but you were with me. You have not abandoned me or forsaken me. You're with me. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21 says this. Now to him 
who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. He's able to do far more abundantly than we could ever think or ever dream. His purposes are greater than we could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. What's the third thing that we see that we can learn about about when our plans don't go according to plan? Third thing is this, is that ultimate satisfaction is not found in earthly pursuits. Ultimate satisfaction is not found in earthly pursuits. Let's go back to the text, John 14, 4 through 7. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And so when our plans fail, or when they do not work according to our desire, God is at work to remind us to look up. To look up. To look above temporary earthly pursuits. And this is why I believe we can get so frustrated when our temporary plans fail is that we only see what's temporary. We only see the here and now. And we don't, we don't look and lift our eyes up to recognize that there's something greater that's going on. And we can be so connected to this earth, so connected to earthly pursuits, that whenever earthly plans fail, it devastates us. You know, earth is not our ultimate destination as Christians. Heaven is. As believers in Jesus Christ, we don't belong here. This is not our home. We're passing through. We're foreigners and strangers. We're aliens. We belong to a greater kingdom. And when our plans fail, we need to look up. We need to remind ourselves that even though they failed, that's not ultimate. That's just temporary. It's just temporary. You look at somebody, listen, look at somebody who gets so angry and will curse somebody out and will be angry because their plans don't work out. You know what's going on? They have a wrong perspective. They're making something temporary as ultimate. And when our plans don't work, we need to be reminded that this is not ultimate. That our desires and our plans are not what is ultimate. God's purposes are what is ultimate. And ultimately what is ultimate is eternal realities. And so when our plans don't work out, we have to go through this process. Lord, I'm letting it go. I'm trusting you. I don't understand your ways are higher than my ways. I acknowledge that there's something else going on that I cannot see. You are at work. And then, Lord, I I recognize that this is just temporary. So if I don't get what I've been wanting, if I don't accomplish what I'm trying to accomplish, if I don't have the success that I've wanted, God, I I, I acknowledge this is just all temporary. It's all passing away. The pursuits of this life, which would be our plans, the pursuits of this life and any success we have, pale in comparison to knowing Jesus and being a part of his eternal purposes. One of the reasons, hear me, one of the reasons we get so discouraged when our plans fail or the plans are put on hold is that we place too much hope in this life. I'm guilty just as we all are. When we get so frustrated when earthly things don't work out for us is because we place too much hope in this life. Too much hope in this life. Too much hope in earthly things. I believe sometimes our confidence can be misplaced. We're trusting in things that are passing away. So when everything doesn't work out temporarily, we, we, we get so frustrated, but we have misplaced hope 
misplaced hope. Because if it all does work out, if, it all, if our plans all go according to what we desire on this earth, it's all passing away. The only things that don't pass away in this earth that we do are the, are the eternal things that we do for God's kingdom. Those last forever. And there will be rewards in heaven based upon that. And souls will be impacted. But everything else, fading away. It's fading away. We can't place our hope in this earth. We must be careful to not place our hope in people or possessions or successes. People will fail you. You got plans for people, right? You got plans for people that you love. You got plans for your family, plans for relationships with other people. People will fail you. That's not where our hope is found. Possessions, the things you buy, the things you purchase, it's going to rot. I always say this at at funerals that, that I do. When you die, people will fight over the stuff that you fought to keep when you were alive. They're going to take it all. They're going to fight over your money. They're going to fight over your stuff, over your house, over your car, over the money in your bank account, your 401k, all of it. It's all temporary. We have to be careful to not place our hope in people, possessions, or successes. Colossians 3, 1 through 4 says this, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ, is, where Christ is, seek what is above. Look up. And this is what I'm saying. This is what the Lord Jesus is saying. Do not let your heart be troubled. I know that it's difficult now. You've had your plans. You've had your ideas. And it's just not working out. Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm going and preparing your place. I'm in control. I see more than you see. You don't get it right now, but I see more than you see. And ultimately, it's all about me. I am the way, the truth. And the life. Look up, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Seek eternal things. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Amen. Matt Carter writes this. He's a pastor in Texas. He writes this about. This section of scripture. He says, The promise of our heavenly home should arouse in us a greater appetite for heaven. However, a few earthly snacks can spoil our appetite for heaven. The more we avoid them, the stronger our appetite for heaven grows. Did you hear that? The more we avoid the temporary snacks of this earth, the stronger our appetite for heaven grows. The first threat to our appetite is an unhealthy attachment to earthly things. We can grow so attached to the things of this life that heaven seems like a punishment. The constant consumption of earthly candy has diminished our appetite for the transcendent feast promised in eternity. We need a better perspective on earthly things. Earthly joys are just a foretaste of the full and complete joy we will have in heaven. Amen? That's true. Amen. So we're going to end with a question. So what about my plans? What about my plans? That was the title of the message I was supposed to tell you at the beginning. What about my plans? What about them? You, you, you're, you're, you're asking that, right? Has that gone through your mind at once during the message? Yeah, what about? What about my plans? God, what about them? What are you going to do? What's going to happen? Maybe you're currently in a, situ- in a, in a season where you're like, yeah, you're speaking to me. You're speaking to me. I don't know about my plans. They're not working out right now. 
So the question is, what about my plans? Well, here's the answer. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. What does that mean? It means to trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what it means. It means to throw all of your affection, all of your trust, all of your hope onto the Lord. What about my plans, God? I don't, I don't know what to do. Trust in the Lord. Do not let your heart be troubled. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean. When you lean on something, what are you doing? Trying to find support. Trying to find support. Your own understanding is not the right support in your life when you're struggling with your plans. Your own understanding is not what you should lean on to find support when you are unstable. When you're unstable with your thoughts about your future and your plans and you're confused and you're angry and you're upset, don't, be, don't start leaning on the random thoughts that come to your mind. Those will, those will drive you crazy. And they'll lead you down paths you should never go. Don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And then next, in all of your ways, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? That means that live your life to please Him. Just, just get busy obeying the Lord and doing what you know He's called you to do. See, you think, well, my plans and what I wanted to do is not really working out. Well, yeah, I get that. But we know what God has called us to do as Christians. Obey the Lord. Don't lean on all those thoughts that are frustrating you. Lean on the Lord. Trust him with all of your heart. Acknowledge him in all of your ways. Obey him. Follow him. And what's he going to do? He will make your paths straight. He will make straight your paths. When we walk in obedience to the already revealed word of God, your path's going to be straight. Your paths are going to be straight. See, that, that's, that's what happens. I just, listen, I'm closing, right? I'm closing now. But I believe this happens so often. That people, when they get frustrated about their life, and they get aggravated and maybe even angry at God because things aren't working out, they lean on their own understanding. And they get upset, and they quit acknowledging the Lord in all their ways. And the next thing you know, you go six months down the road, a year down the road, and they're like, where am I? You start adopting old habits that you used to have. You start hanging around people you used to hang around that you shouldn't be hanging around before you became a Christian. And you're just getting so far off track because you're leaning on your own flawed thinking about why life's not working out. You have to, you have to go back to ground zero. And you just have to obey what's in front of you. God, I don't get it. And I'm going to do what you have told me to do. I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I'm going to recognize you see more than me. You're more powerful than me. I'm not going to lean on my crazy thoughts. And I'm just going to obey you. I'm going to love people. I'm going to come to the church and and, and study with fellow believers. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be a godly husband, be a godly wife. I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. And I'm telling you, if you will consistently do that, things will get clearer. And, and he's going to make your, make your path straight. It's just putting one foot in front of the other. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's his word that's in front of us and we see it and we just step. We just obey. It's right there. Okay, God, I don't see anything else. I'm not going to lean on my understanding. I'm going I'm to lean on what I see is right here. I'm, yes, I'm going to obey. I'm going to say yes to your word. And your paths will get straight. And all of a sudden, 
you'll find yourself, oh, I see now, Lord. I get it. Amen? Amen. I've got to clap on Wednesday. Man. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. I know that we're all at different seasons in our life. Um, yes. Did somebody say Ben? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amen. Well, once you come down, we can pray for you. Amen. Or I'll, I'll meet you halfway. I want y'all that are close to them, won't you um, come, come close with us? Amen. His name is Kelly McCary. Kelly. Kelly McCary. And he's uh, 56 years old. Amen. Well, Lord, we just agree with, with, with Karen and, and with Mr. James, Lord, and we pray for Kelly. Lord, you see him exactly where he is, and you know what needs to take place in his body. And we just pray, Lord, that you would do a miracle in his body. God, that you would restore his back, that you would bring healing. Lord, this growth that's on his kidney, Lord, we ask for a miracle, that you would touch and heal. And just as he said with his own mouth, God, you've got this. You're in control. And we trust you. We pray for peace over his mind. Peace over his mind, Lord, and, and over Miss Karen's mind. And Mr. James, we thank you, God. We trust you that you are with us. We thank you, God, that we can lean on you and not on our own understanding. We trust you. We believe that you will move and work. We place it in your hands, and we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 You guys are dismissed. I love you guys.